You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers defeat Arkansas State 87-70 to in a game that definitely featured the Jekyll and Hyde Hoosiers that we have come to know and love so far in the early season. You know, the kind of the, the theme of the last two games is that Indiana played one good half against Seton Hall and then a bad second half and a bad first half against South Florida and then a good second half. Well, tonight, Indiana basically played a good you know, 20 minutes again. It was just that they played good the final 10 minutes of the first half and the final 10 minutes of the second half. And those runs are what allowed the Hoosiers to push out to that 17-point advantage. And obviously, Jawan Morgan had a huge role in that with an absolute career night for him, uh, which we will talk about on tonight's episode of The Assembly Call. I am your host, Jared Morris. I will be joined tonight by Andy Bottoms, and we will take you through all the important storylines and points from tonight's victory by Indiana. And let's start tonight's show as we start every show. And that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. So for tonight's banner moment, I want to take you back to kind of crunch time in the second half. You know, Indiana had uh, a nice lead at halftime, up by 14 at halftime, and Arkansas State, you know, kind of chipped away at it. Indiana built a little bit of a lead back up, and then Arkansas State chipped away at it again. And the closest that Arkansas State got in the second half was 66 to 62. And this came on the heels of one of Devontae Green's worst choices in terms of shot selection that we have seen. I mean, it was, you know, 66 60, Indiana's got the ball, Devontae's driving, he takes this awful shot. Arkansas State goes right back and scores at 66 62. And everybody's starting to feel a little bit tense, a little bit tight. And all second half, Indiana basically had no answer for Sims on Arkansas State, who came off the bench and was just seeming to score at will. Well, someone needed to step up and make a play when it was 66-62. Fortunately, on the offensive end, Deron Davis stepped up, bullied his way through for a bucket, and that was nice. But more important than that was what happened defensively on the next possession. And that's when Robert Johnson, just through sheer tenacity and smart positioning and awareness, took a charge on Sims, who was obviously very confident, very aggressive uh, offensive player at that point. Johnson took a charge, which felt like the first time Indiana had stopped Sims all game long. And it was nice to see someone step up and make a big defensive play. And that seemed to kind of stem the Arkansas tide a little bit. And it led to a great sequence of defense where the Hoosiers held Arkansas State scoreless for about three and a half minutes, went on a 7-0 run, extended their lead, and then they were able to put the game away. And what I really liked about that play from Robert Johnson is that he had been really struggling with his scoring up until that point, but he didn't deter them. He didn't let that deter him, continued to play tough, gritty defense, and as a leader, stepped up to make a play. And I'm sure that Archie Miller is going to appreciate that play, that he did appreciate that play, because that's how he wants his teams to play. Gritty, 
tough physically, tough-minded mentally, and when you need to step up and make a, bit, a big defensive play, you do it. And I thought that play was a big momentum changer for Indiana as they went on a 21-8 run to end the game. Uh, and again, I thought that play really set the tone and got them going in the right direction. So kudos to Robert Johnson, who, again, I think played much better than his shooting line, and we will get to that as we go through this episode of the assembly call our banner moment as always brought to you by our friends at Hoosier proud an Indiana based t-shirt and apparel company that is by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. And if you're wondering why you should check out Hoosier proud's website, hoosierproud.com, I'll give you three good reasons. And the first reason is their designs. I mean, if you're going to buy apparel, if you're going to, if you're going to buy a t-shirt, you want it to look good. Well, Hoosier proud has a number of options for you. If you want to support the assembly call, you can get our official assembly call logo t-shirts there. You can also get officially licensed IU gear, including a really cool new Indiana men's soccer shirt to support the men's soccer team and just their unique Indiana inspired designs that have been a hit ever since they came around. You can see all their designs at HoosierProud.com. The number two reason to go there is their philanthropy. The fellows at Hoosier Proud uh, really want to support Indiana-based charities, and that is why they donate a portion of the revenue from their t-shirt sales to specific Indiana-based charities. And finally, the number three reason to go is you save money. And who doesn't like to save money, right? Well, because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off. It's not 15% off just one shirt or just the Assembly Call shirts. It's your entire order. All you have to do is use the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, to let Hoosier Proud know that the assembly call sent you, and they will give you 15% off your entire order. So again, check out HoosierProud.com. Use the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team, which tonight consists of the great Andy Bottoms. And his bottoms line is brought to us by iutickets.shop, the URL to use when you want the best prices on IU basketball tickets. Andy, hopefully you have recovered from Stephen Bardo unnecessarily talking about the Nick Anderson shot, which angered you as much as it angered me. Uh, so what is your bottoms line on tonight's IU? Yeah, just, just when you think this guy can't get any worse, he went and pulled that <laughs> pulled that little nugget out of the hat. Although I do blame the other guy for kind of bringing it up and like teeing him up for it. But yeah, totally. man. Yeah, just when I thought you couldn't get any dumber, you go and then the opposite of completely <laughs> redeem yourself at that point. But, um, you know, for me, this was, uh, I, you know, at the risk of uh, of spoiling who's going to get my game ball and probably yours as well. I just wanted to read off Juwan Morgan's stat line so we could all just let it wash over us at this point. Um, 28 points, 9 of 11 shooting, 10 for 10 from the free throw line, two blocks and no turnovers in. 33 minutes he was just outstanding again and while the team really to carry over the momentum that they seemed to build in the second half of that south florida game that was not an issue for juan uh and so as you you mentioned they've talked about that responsibility for production and how many times we've talked about that phrase um but, but i thought he did he did uh struggle at times on the defensive end as pretty much everybody did but you know this was really a second straight game where you mentioned some of those plays that robert johnson made um, you know, the two guys who were expected to be the stalwarts from a leadership and from a production standpoint uh, really came through big in, in games and in times where they needed them the most. So um, while, you know, the Jekyll and Hyde nature of this team over the course of not, not even just game to game, but within the game uh, is is a little concerning. I think the fact that those guys have played so well these last couple of games is uh, is is a good building block for moving in his game as well. 
Yeah, no question about it. Uh, I, I noticed some of our friends in the YouTube chat are telling us there's a problem with the video. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why that is. Andy's on uh, on some Wi-Fi that may not be great. So if there are some audio issues on his end, uh, that is why. But we will try and power through uh, and do our best to deliver uh, this show to you. Uh, so, and I guess I should reset. You're listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, breaking down Indiana's 87 to 70 victory over Arkansas State. Uh, yeah, I mean, Juwan Morgan was he was just outstanding tonight, Andy. And, and I thought in the first half when Indiana was really struggling, it was nice to see Juwan, you know, really stepping up, providing uh, a lot of leadership offensively, a lot of production, uh, you know, really on both ends of the court. And he was just really active. He continued to do good work on the glass. And then, you know, after kind of a quiet start to the second half, he really, really finished strong. And I mean, this is look, this is the one, the Juwan Morgan that, you know, Don Fisher talked about before last season and said he has a chance to be one of the special players at Indiana. You know, this is the guy that we have seen in spurts uh, when he's been healthy. Now, not quite to this level because this was obviously a career night. But if he has really found something here and I thought he started to play well against Seton Hall, I thought obviously he really played well in that South Florida game. And then tonight you know, just kind of blew the doors off what is possible for him. Again, you know, all caveats for the competition, but still not a lot of guys, no matter who the competition is, are going to go out and get you 28 points, eight boards, and be able to do it with nine of 11 shooting and 10 of 10 shooting from the free throw line. So this was uh, really just a, a transcendent performance for Jawan Morgan in terms of maybe resetting the expectations for what he is capable of, especially as an offensive player. And for a guy who has struggled to get going offensively, it was so great to see him get in the flow so easily tonight. And, you know, maybe one of the best stats or one of the most important stats is he was zero for zero from three-point range. I mean, he wasn't even bothering trying to step out and make threes. It's like he finally realized, look, I am one of the most efficient players in the country uh, in, in the half court when I'm near the basket, when I'm operating in isolation, isolation situations. Let me just go to work. And he did tonight. I and mean, it was breathtaking, the results. Yeah, I mean, he, he you know, just had a, an array of nice moves in the post. He scored on some putbacks, um, got a couple of moves in transition. There was one where he just kind of backed the guy down, lulled him to sleep a little bit, and then, and, you know, kind of a quick turn and, and a nice jump hook down there. So I think I think he did well. And, I, you know, it's kind of funny. You contrast a little bit of what he did uh, with Duran for so much of the game. And Duran just wasn't really able to take advantage of the, the areas of this game that he you know, did have an advantage over from a size standpoint, from a, a skill standpoint. And I thought Juwan really I embraced his ability to be able to, uh, to, to make things work, um, uh, given the advantages that he had in the post over a lot of the guys who were trying to defend him. And so even just from effort plays and things like that, which is something that Archie, you know, kind of lost his mind about, about guys not getting on the floor and going after loose balls. I thought Juwan was one who really, you know, would stick his nose in there as we've seen so often and, and come away with key loose balls and offensive rebounds when they, when they really needed a bucket. Let's talk a little bit about Robert Johnson. Uh, you know, I, I just saw someone in the chat that said I'm I'm uh, quickly losing patience with Rob Johnson. And look, I, I understand some of the frustration with Rob shooting tonight. And Andy, you know, you and I kind of went back and forth on Twitter. It almost looks like his shot is different every time he shoots it. Like, you know, his very first three of the night, he faded terribly to the left and airballed it. You know, his follow through seems off. He just, I mean, he looks like a guy who's just not confident shooting the ball. I'm not breaking any news there. Uh, anybody watching the games can understand that. But man, I don't know. Watching that second half when things got tight, I thought Rob played really, really well. I mean, I thought defensively, like I said, he came in and, and played against Sims. You know, and, and you've got to look at this. I mean, Archie Miller, 
you know, I mean, he's he's handing out playing time based on how well you play defense and are you taking care of the ball? You know, and, and I thought Robert only had one turnover tonight. I mentioned his defensive sims. You know, I know his shooting wasn't good, but the one three that he did hit was an absolute dagger that put Indiana. It was a nine point game. It put Indiana up 12. And that's the second straight game that he's basically hit the dagger three that basically told the other team, look, there's no life. It's over. Just, you know, uh, we've got this game. Uh, you know, and he had a couple of nice drives to the basket there late. So I know it was an uneven performance from him and you'd like to see him scoring more than 10 points. And certainly, you know, you, you got to think that he's going to have to shoot better against better competition. But I thought he did other things tonight and he did not allow his shooting to dictate, you know, how he was going to play. And so I think a lot of times there's a difference between shooting well and playing well. I think, you know, maybe a couple games early in the season, Rob didn't shoot well and maybe didn't play as well as you would expect. But for me tonight, I thought he just didn't shoot well, but I thought he played well um, and did so many other things uh, right. Are you you seeing that the same way or, or do you have some some more quibbles with what you saw out of Rob tonight? Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would agree with what you said. I, I mean, he was a microcosm of the team. He was, you know, three out of six on two point shots and one out of six on threes. I mean, uh, if you look at what the team did, you know, they shot. 27% from three for the game. And I think they were close to 60% on twos, I, you know, so, you know, some of the same things are befalling him that are, are befalling the team. And um, like you said, w what concerns me the most is just the shot is, you know, the, the shot that he took that looked the most like him shooting last year and the year before when he was in rhythm was the last one against South Florida. And I thought tonight he went back to where he just has this like really weird extended follow through um, where he's really just aiming the ball with his, uh, you know, with his shooting hand. And, um, I, you know, who, who knows what that, who knows what that, that looks like, but I thought he did a better job of, he settled for some shots all kind of right in a row. And then after that, he was more aggressive going to the basket. Um, you know, had eight rebounds again. I think he was one of the leading rebounders on the team in the game against South Florida and defensively. Um, the play you mentioned was a big one. There was another one where they wanted to post up Sims and he basically forced him out almost all the way to the three point line where, before he could let him catch the ball. So and took a defensive assignment that no one else had been successful in. And really, I think if you look at, you know, I think Sims got a basket where Juwan and, and Robert kind of ran into each other, you know, trying to switch on something, but I don't think he scored the rest of the game other than that one basket. So, um, for a guy that was, you know, kind of scoring at will, I think I give him a lot of credit for his defense and, um, you know, the turnover thing has been a big bugaboo with him and, and, you know, for tonight he played well with that. So, um, yeah, the shooting, the shooting remains a concern, but, uh, I think you see enough other things that he's doing to say, um, you know, he needs to continue playing and try to play through it and work through it. And the reality is that for anybody saying that he shouldn't be playing, then tell me who you're going to give the minutes to, uh, in the backcourt. Cause there's not a whole lot of consistency coming out of those guys other than, uh, probably Al Durham. Uh, maybe is the most consistent of the backcourt guys. Devonte is really up and down. I thought Curtis had some good moments tonight, but some bad moments as well. Newkirk had that one flurry where he played really well, but otherwise, you know, really continued to struggle defensively. So, you know, you can't just say this guy shouldn't play. Then you figure out who's going to get the minutes and who's doing more all around things in the game uh, than Robert at that point. So, I guess I'll step down off my podium from the Robert Johnson fan club. But I, I you know, the shooting is concerning. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. And there's times that he hasn't played well, um, but I think. He's a guy who deserves to be out there and is doing enough other things besides just scoring that that warrant him getting those minutes uh, over a, a bunch of other guys who have been consistent as he has, if not more so. By the way, you mentioned Al Durham. Once again, he had as many turnovers as you and I did in tonight's game, which is zero. 
Uh, and we're going to get to some numbers in a second, but turnovers, you know, that was a big story tonight because Indiana really did a nice job in the first half limiting turnovers is a big reason why they were ahead. And then they come out, they turned over on the first two possessions. You know, I think they had four turnovers or five turnovers in the first few minutes, you know, cause I remember looking up and it, uh, you know, it said eight or nine in the stat sheet early in the second half. And I just looked again, and they, they were stuck on nine, so they didn't have another one. So once again, you know, no surprise that Indiana played better and scored more efficiently when they didn't turn it over. And they finished the game with a turnover percentage of just 12.8%, uh, which is really good. So that number and more uh, we will talk about. That is coming up here on the Assembly Call. Uh, I will point out tonight's meaningful moments that you might have missed, and then we'll go inside the numbers after that. That is next uh, here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the Script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it, and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, and we are breaking down Indiana's 87-70 to 70 victory over Arkansas State. And it's time for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. And Andy, for, for the meaningful moment tonight, I've got two of them. And I want to talk about a couple of Indiana guards that have really been struggling. And while neither of these guys had great overall games, I thought we saw in spurts something that they can build on, that if they can continue to do what they did in these spurts, they can be more productive players. So number one, I want to take you back to the first half. And again, early in the first half, you know, Arkansas State, you know, had a lead early. It was 6-6 after the first TV timeout. It was 16-12 Arkansas State after the second TV timeout. Uh, and at that point, that's when Indiana went on a little run. And so uh, between the 12, the under 12 minute and the under eight minute timeout, Indiana went on a 15 to five run. And the guy who keyed that run uh, was Josh Newkirk. I mean, Jawan Morgan had really been kind of carrying the team up until that point. And then Josh Newkirk had a sequence of four possessions where he scored six points and assisted on the other one. He also had a steal uh, in there. And I thought he played really poorly to start the game. I mean, his defense wasn't good. Offensively, he was almost overly passive to the point where he just wasn't productive to have on the court. But when he came back in, I thought he played with a real purpose. And that was nice to see because we hadn't seen a real solid sequence from him in a while, I feel like. Now, he finished the game with six points and two assists. Uh, so really, that stretch was basically the entirety of his offensive production. But again, I thought we saw in there the kinds of things that will make him productive and that made him good at the end of last year. You know, he drove to the bucket, uh, you know, it really was able to get himself into the lane, stop just trying to pass it around the perimeter, stop just looking for three pointers and made himself more active and then got active on defense and led the break. And that's what Josh Newkirk needs to do. And if he can do that, then again, he can be a productive player. In the second half, I thought we saw from Curtis Jones some of the plays that we have been begging for. 
Andy, you'll probably recall uh, the drive where he drove in, hit that beautiful little finger roll, and he actually had a play like that in the first half too, right when he got in. Uh, I think maybe he missed a, a three to start, but then he had a really nice drive, took it to the bucket. Yeah, he bricked a three-pointer, and then on his very next possession, drove in and scored, uh, which tied the game at eight at that point. Um, now, I thought Curtis had a couple of defensive possessions where his attention kind of kind of lapsed. Um, but those drives and and he had a really nice rebound in the second half too, a really nice tough rebound. But you know, if he can be more of that slasher type, slasher type, and and stop requiring all of his offense to come from downtown, because frankly, you know, he was zero for five from downtown. Look, we saw it in the Kansas game. We heard about it, you know, when he was a recruit, and we've seen it in very small flashes that he can be a great shooter. But boy, we just aren't seeing it consistently enough, and it's certainly not to the point where I trust it. And, you know, there are certain guys when they shoot it, you kind of feel you know, confident or not. Uh, Curtis Jones is a guy that I do not feel confident in when he shoots the ball. But seeing him slash and drive tonight, I thought was a huge sign. So, you know, Indiana is looking for more consistency from its guards. Uh, and I think if Josh Newkirk and if Curtis Jones are going to stay in the rotation and continue to be important pieces, they need to kind of look at what they did in those two stretches and start doing that more. And I don't think it's a big coincidence that, you know, they didn't really produce a whole lot outside of those stretches because they didn't really do the rest of the game what they were doing in those moments. So uh, I'll kick that over to you for whatever uh, observation you have. But I was very encouraged seeing that, but then at the same time, a little bit frustrated because it's like, I'd like to see that more from those guys because there's clearly a productive player inside of each of them. We just got to see it more consistently. Yeah, I think, you know, to go back to, to Newkirk, I mean, as you said, he did pretty much all his damage in that one stretch, which was which was amazing. And even, you know, one of the plays, he got knocked to the floor and just struggled to get up. I do think physically uh, he's really struggling. I think that's impacting his ability to defend the way that Archie probably wants him to because he struggled quite a bit on that end of the floor where, to the extent where I think I said it out loud, uh, I was like, well, I hope he's hurt because otherwise that was really terrible defense. <laughs> and uh, and that explains why he's, you know, struggling on that end of the floor. Uh, you know, again, he's not an elite athlete by any means, by, by you know, college basketball standards. So not expecting him to be able to stay in front of anybody and everybody. But, um, you know, I think that's an area where he continues to struggle. And you just see kind of in some of these stretches where he kind of rose above that for that, that little uh, flurry of activity in the first half. And, um, you know, I do think a guy who... If eventually he started tonight, and I know the whole, you know, it's not who starts, it's who finishes. Um, I do think he, you know, over time, does he become a guy who, look, we need to figure out a way to bottle that up. And if that means you play less, but can play like that in shorter increments of time, then so be it. I think everybody could live with that. Um, as for Curtis, I mean, you know, the stat line kind of tells the story, right? I mean, he's two of two on two point baskets, both of which came slash into the hoop. He's 0 of five on threes. Uh, and there was a sequence in the second half before the the finger roll that you mentioned. He drove in, found Juwan, who got fouled and and obviously made the free throw since he made all 10 of his. And that was a pretty key sequence where they really needed a basket. And then the possession after that, he took a three that was just like, well, well, I'm out here. I might as well just shoot it. And then the possession after that, he drives to the basket. And it was like, it was, you know, like one of the plays that frustrates you the most sandwiched between two terrific plays that shows like what you can do if you if you take it to the hoop. So um, I thought that was a, a, as telling a sequence as any for him. But I do think, you know, activity wise and he played, you know, 13 minutes in total. I thought he, um, uh, you know, felt like he actually might have played more than that. You know, quite honestly, I was a little bit surprised to see the total be that low. But yeah, he did some good things. And again, hot ways to get him to do the thing, do those things that he did well, bottle that up for 
you know, 12 to 15 minutes a game, the same way I just talked about with Newkirk. Um, you've got a really productive guard where you're not going to have a drop off when he comes onto the floor. Um, but if he insists upon being a standstill jump shooter, um, you know, things are not going to end well. I don't feel like in the, uh, in the grand scheme of things, cause he can be streaky, uh, a little bit like Devante in that regard, but, um, yeah, he's just got to figure out, you know, th- those, you know, the, pl- the three best plays that he made offensively were the three plays where he took it off the dribble and really attacked the defense and made them react. And at, at some point that's not a coincidence. You know, and something else I want to talk about, and this will kind of transition us into going inside the numbers, but let's talk about the way that Indiana is starting games and starting halves because, you know, we're kind of seeing this trend. Even even in halves where Indiana has played well, like we saw tonight, a lot of times they come out and, and kind of start it a little bit slowly, and it takes them a little while to get going. And again, as I mentioned, you know, through the first eight minutes of tonight's game, Arkansas State uh, with a 16 to 12 advantage. Uh, through the first eight minutes, uh, really actually through the first 12 minutes of uh, of the second half. No, through the first eight minutes of the second half, it was 19 to 10, uh, Arkansas State. So that's a nine, what, 13-point uh, advantage through the first you know eight minutes of each half for Arkansas State. And Indiana had the athletes and and the toughness and, and just the overall team talent to compensate for that and battle back. And Indiana played really well in the final 12 minutes of each half. Yeah, I mean, they outscored um, them by 30 points over the, over the remainder of the game, which is... You know, the I guess the, the Jekyll and Hyde that we talked about, right? Yeah, which is great. And and you see that. And that's why. And again, you know, we're not looking for perfect 40 minutes from the Hoosiers. I'm not coming out here expecting that they're going to play a great 40 minute game yet. I mean, it's just, you know, we saw a lot of these guys last year struggle with consistency. They're not suddenly going to become consistent trying to learn a whole new system. <clears throat> But it is a little bit concerning because, again, you know, you do that against the Dukes and the Notre Dames and the, the tougher teams on Indiana's schedule, and you may not be able to come back from that. And you may, you know, because this is not a team that's built to come back. So how concerned are you about Indiana's ability to start games and to start halves? And what would your solution be to it? Because I know Archie on the pregame show said, you know, we want to try and build some continuity. We're going to go with the same starting lineup. You know that's awesome, um, but at what point do you kind of pull the plug? And and look, I'm not saying that five games is certainly it. You want to be patient, um, but it's starting to scare me a little bit with the tougher competition coming up. Yeah, I mean it. it it's funny. I, I guess I liken it a little bit to. Um, I, I think they're the announcers were talking about this. This is one actual useful nugget that they uh, that they managed to come up with. But uh, I think it was Sims on on Arkansas State. You know, he ends a game with 21 points, and he was a guy who'd played really well. Uh, it sounded like they put him in the starting lineup for a game or two, and he just didn't produce. Like one game didn't score at all. Um, and for no matter what you think of IU's defense tonight, that guy seems like a guy who shouldn't be going scoreless in any game uh, whatsoever, just because he's got a good you know mentality of trying to get to the basket. And so the coach basically said, "All right, I'm putting you back on the bench." And you saw what happened tonight. Um, obviously, we can't take all five guys off the floor and use that approach. So uh, I think it you know is it a case of trying to figure out are there guys who are just going to be able to come in best suited watch the flow of the game um do you need a guy like al to start the game who you know isn't gonna you know has, has shown over these games he's not gonna turn the ball over really plays with good poise and things like that um is that a change that you could make where you you would take newkirk or Devonte even um out and have them come off the bench i don't really know i mean Devonte certainly didn't start the second half well um but that's you know one guy that's not necessarily the team. But if if there's any pattern, uh, while things have been pretty inconsistent with this team, if there's any pattern that we've been able to establish is that they have not started games well and they have not started halves well. Um, and to your point, at some point you're going to get down against a team that you're not going to be able to come back from, uh, like like you were tonight. 
You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, breaking down Indiana's win over Arkansas State. Andy, let's jump inside the numbers. And again, I mentioned this earlier, the big number is the turnovers. Indiana turned it over on just 12.8% of their possessions, nine turnovers in total. That is really good. That That's not just good for Indiana, like within the context of this being a bad team at turnovers. That's just really good. And, and frankly, you look at a couple of those turnovers, and a few of them were just Freddie McSwain fumbling the ball out of bounds. But they were, you know, on really nice setups from his teammates. So those weren't, you know, really bad passes. It's just, you know, Freddie not having hands. And if he has them, he's going to score an easy bucket. I felt like there were a, a lot less of just the head slap turnovers tonight, which is great. And it shows up in the numbers. A couple other numbers, Andy, that, that stand out to me. And for people who have been listening to our show consistently this season, these are numbers that we've been tracking because these are numbers even coming into the year that we thought would be a little bit different. You know, Indiana, again, uh, with a solid free throw rate. Uh, Indiana's free throw rate tonight, not quite up to uh, the standard of what they've done overall in the season, but 31.8%. Uh, but more important than that was the fact that Indiana made 16 free throws and Arkansas State shot just 15. And as we know, that is always going to be a formula uh, for success. What other numbers jump out to you, Andy? Well, to go back to the turnover piece that you mentioned, there's a couple of things that stand out there. Actually, the box where I'm looking at, actually, I'm looking at a couple of different ones, um, and they show only eight turnovers, so the turnover percentage was a little bit lower. And the last one in the second half, I believe, came with about 11 minutes left uh, or something like that. So they played the uh, you know the final... Uh, last one was Jerron Davis at 11.41. So they played the final wow. 11 minutes, 40 seconds without a turnover uh, after you know a couple really early in the half. And... Um, so I think that was absolutely a positive. Uh, and really, you know, the other thing with the turnovers, no Arkansas State points off of those turnovers. So we saw in a couple games early in the season that it wasn't just that they were turning the ball over, which is uh, frustrating enough. It was that those were leading to runouts uh, and easy buckets for the opponent. So that didn't happen tonight. So I thought that was uh, definitely a positive. Nine blocks again. We touched you, on you this well, and you, and you know, to, to go back to what you said of points off turnovers, it would be interesting to have the stat points off bad shots because yeah. I do distinctly remember several runouts they got off of bad shots like Devontae's. Um, yeah. So I'm sure Archie will will make note of that. So it's not like Indiana didn't have any points yeah. going the other way. Um, so again, yeah. you know, they got sure. they got to cut sure. some of that out too. But yeah, but a, but a good you know good good in that regard. Uh, as our own Ryan Phillips, you know, has so astutely pointed out before. Um, you know, a bad shot is like a turnover. So uh, has he said he that have, before? Uh, he has, I believe he, I, as I, as I think I tweeted once history will indicate that he is the first person to have ever, uh, have ever said that. So I think, yeah, I, th I think he made that up. I'm pretty sure. I believe so. Yeah. I believe so. Um, so that was, so that was a big one from a turnover perspective. Um, again, I, shot the ball really well from two point range. They continue to, uh, uh, you know, to really excel in that part of, in that part of the game, three point shooting, uh, is another matter, but they continue to do well when they, when they really do get the ball inside and get it to the rim. Um, that that's another positive, uh, rebounding wise, uh, was, was really strong. They rebounded 36% of their misses and 75% of Arkansas state's misses. So both of those are really good numbers. Those, the, both those are actually down from what it was in the first half, which was, uh, which was really dominant, uh, on, yeah, on yeah, and it gave up that. nine offensive rebounds in the second half. And that was, yeah. that's part of how Arkansas state kind of hung around a little bit. Yeah, I think that I think IU was rebounding like ninety some percent of their misses in the after the first half, if I'm remembering this correctly, like ninety three, yeah. Uh, yeah, something like that. Good. So, so that was really good uh, blocks. I, I kind of touched on before we we went back to the turnovers. Nine blocks again. Uh, looks like a block rate of uh, of almost twenty one percent. So that continues to be an area where the team excels. Uh, I fear that at some at some points those are uh, 
bailout blocks after somebody gets blown by on the perimeter. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll take what we can get in that regard. But two from Morgan, three from Deron Davis, two from Freddie McSwain. Um, so I think those were those were certainly positives as well. So uh, those were the, the big ones that really stood out to me. I think the defense in the second half, um, if it wasn't for the way they played toward the end of it, uh, even the way that it was, I think Arkansas State scored a point per possession in the second half, and that was with really shutting them down over the over the final, um, you know, in particular, you know, I think about eight minutes um, was uh, was really good. So that was, you know, one thing that wasn't good. The nine offensive rebounds were uh, were not a positive by any means. But uh, yeah, th- those were those were at least a few things that stood out to me. Yeah, Arkansas State actually scored over a point per possession for the game, uh, which is perhaps the worst overall stat. They were 1.057 points per possession in the second half. And again, you know, a lot of that was Devin Sims obviously playing very well until Robert Johnson decided to lock him up. And then, you know, no surprise that the guy who led them in offensive rebounds with three was second on the team in scoring. So I think this was a good lesson in how much better Indiana is defensively when they are boxing out and controlling the defensive glass, which is not a surprise. And I thought Indiana did a much better job of that in the first half and then toward the end of the game, obviously, but uh, but not such a good job there in the middle or, uh, or toward the first part of the second half. All right, coming up here on the assembly call, Andy, I think we need to talk about Deron Davis, uh, who was not good in the first half and I thought much better in the second half. And we've got to have our, you know, it, pretty much the same conversation that we have after every game about Devonte Green and some of his inconsistencies because he was really good at times and not so good at times. Uh, so we will talk about that and more coming up here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. All righty, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also view all of our live broadcasts right on our homepage at assemblycall.com. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, breaking down Indiana's victory over Arkansas State. Andy, uh, you know, we broke down Robert Johnson and Juwan Morgan, uh, you know, obviously, uh, both guys had Juwan was terrific and, and Robert, despite not shooting well, uh, I thought played a pretty good game. <clears throat> Dron Davis, I think, is another interesting case tonight because he really struggled to get involved in the first half. And I think you mentioned on Twitter during the game, you know, he was really struggling defensively. And, you know, if he's only getting one or two looks at the basket and he's struggling defensively, you can't really have him out there on the floor. I mean, you know, uh, having Juwan Morgan out there or you know, Freddie McSwain to get some rebounds or Justin Smith, uh, especially against the zone, you know, seems like a better idea because, you know, if Duran's giving it up on defense, he needs to be able to compensate on offense. And, you know, for whatever reason, you know, Indiana struggling to get the ball on side, Duran struggling to get position, just not really asserting himself. He couldn't get involved in the first half. But in the second half, he did a much better job. I thought on both ends, he just looked more engaged overall. And really, I thought the play that was indicative of that was it wasn't even a, a basket or anything. It was late in the game. Indiana's already up by 12 or 14 at this point, and he's hustling all the way down the court uh, and forces a steal. And I just think that that kind of engagement, that hustle from Duran, and we saw it at times last year, you know, not only is that encouraging just from a mentality standpoint, but also the fact that, you know, he had played about 20 minutes up until that point and still was, you know, spry enough in those legs to get down the court quickly like that to get the steal. So, you know, and I, I also thought, that we saw, again, part of this team's identity 
when the going gets tough is let's just dump it down to Duran. And again, what was the first thing they did when Arkansas State cut it to 66-62? They went right down to Duran, to Duran Davis, and he scored. Now, Duran's going to have to show that he can be that guy against competition like Seton Hall, which obviously he didn't because he only had, what, four points in that game. But, you know, we saw it against Howard. Uh, saw it some against South Florida. We saw it here that when Indiana really needed a bucket, things got a little bit tough. They went down to him. And I thought toward the end of the game, you know, along with Robert, along with Juwan, I thought his play was really important in Indiana building that lead back up and closing this game out. So, again, like all these guys, you're looking for more consistency. Uh, but it was nice to see Duran put a tough first half behind him and then play well and much more active in the second half. And you can just see it in the numbers, you know, the 10 points. But more importantly than that, five defensive rebounds. And he is not a guy who is typically very good uh, on the defensive glass. He also had a steal. He had three blocks. So, you know, and was able to do that all while only committing three fouls. Um, so, again, rough first half, but nice to see him come back and play well in the second half. Yeah, I think it's a, in a lot of ways, a challenging matchup for him when you go against some of these smaller teams who don't have anybody who can really guard him, but at the same time, don't necessarily have anybody that he can really guard either. And so I thought they really tried to attack him in pick and roll situations uh, that he didn't well. And, 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 you know, that's kind of why I, I said what I did in the first half. You know, if, if they can't find a way to use what he has to, to I use advantage, then, he really becomes a liability at that point on the floor because he just there was nobody that he could he could defend, um, and so while the you know kind of traditional back to the basket big man is is going away, there'll be at least a few more of those in the Big Ten that he can go against. But more teams playing small ball, things like that, they're going to have to figure out ways that look if you're going to be able to get it's in some ways you, you think about Purdue last year where they couldn't play Isaac Haas and Caleb Swanigan together. They couldn't. It wasn't because they weren't necessarily two of the better players on the team. They just couldn't figure out how they could defend well. Um, so I going to have to figure out how they can take advantage of what he has in order to make up for what he's going to end up giving up on defense and playing some of these smaller teams. But I did think, um, to your point, after two points, two rebounds in the first half, uh, seemed a lot more engaged in the second half. You even picked up that, that one kind of silly foul uh, early and, and bounced back well from that. So, you know, to your point, eight points, four rebounds, uh, two blocks and that steal that you mentioned, uh, plus an assist in the second half, I think were, uh, you know, really good things for him. Played 14 minutes. So, um Struggled to get him the ball because you know Arkansas State played a lot of zone. Eastern Michigan, uh, they're coached by a uh, a, a Bayheim disciple, so they're going to see plenty more zone in that. So they're going to have to figure out if they're going to be able to utilize what he has. They got to figure out ways to get him the ball even against the zone. Um, so that'll be something to watch for on Friday early on. Man, I'm kind of kicking myself uh, because. I kind of feel like I, I missed a big opportunity with the meaningful moment that you might have missed. Uh, well, I think that the Newkirk and Curtis Jones points were definitely worthwhile. Uh, there were some moments from Archie Miller tonight that were great and definitely meaningful. We might be burying the lead a little bit here talking about them now, but two in particular, you know, one in the first half, there were a couple instances where Archie just, you could see the visible frustration when Hoosiers weren't diving on the floor for loose balls. There was one in particular where Josh Newkirk didn't dive for a loose ball and you could see Archie Miller in the camera shot up in the corner and he just kind of like throws his arms up, turns around, says something to the coaches. Uh, there was another one, and I don't remember whose play precipitated it, but he, maybe it was Devontae Green, but he just got ticked. Yeah, it was uh, it was Devontae Green, uh, and they even showed a replay of it on the broadcast with him yelling at the guys coming over from a timeout. So you had that, and then you had another instance in the second half where Freddie McSwain, who, you know, Freddie had an interesting night, probably the most Freddie McSwain night ever, where he has six points, ten boards, six of them offensive, 
but should have scored 12, 14 points. He just missed so many opportunities because he couldn't convert or couldn't catch the ball. Well, I thought his defense also was extremely inconsistent. And at times he let those missed opportunities on offense carry with him down to the defensive end. You didn't see the same kind of engagement that you sometimes see from him. And so one particular instance of this, you know, Freddie makes a, has a defensive lapse on one end and then on the other end actually goes down and converts a bucket. Uh, I don't remember who threw the pass, but it was a really nice pass. He was able to convert and Archie immediately calls a timeout and goes right over to Freddie and starts talking with him about the defensive play on the other end. And I love seeing that. I mean, I think that's a great use of a timeout, especially in a game like this where you know where you're stopping it and you're making a point right then when clearly the play is going to be fresh in his mind and i think even in that case it's after he made a bucket you know so feeling good about himself a little bit maybe he'll be a little bit more receptive to the coaching instead of you know sulking and and putting his head down if he's a little bit frustrated so you know we continue to look for these little signs from archie we saw the technical foul last game uh, and i think everybody is excited about the visible frustration when guys don't dive on the floor and when guys aren't playing the kind of defense that archie wants uh but i also like seeing him finding moments in the game to teach and and i know talking with alex bozich on podcast on the brink this week you know what was his what's kind of been his big takeaway from being up close and, and watching archie from his vantage point you know close to the bench and he talked about how there's just there's so much teaching going on. You know, Archie is always teaching and 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 really trying to explain and coach it. And obviously, which he has to do, putting in this new system. But uh, I just really like seeing that and just the intensity uh, that Archie brings. Um, you know, to what he's doing out there. I thought those were a couple of meaningful moments as we uh, you know kind of get to know and, and learn a little bit about our new coach. Yeah, the, the moments of sh like unbridled intensity and frustration are fantastic. Where you just see him, the one I know exactly which one you're talking about, where he's just like flailing his arms up in the corner of the screen as they're going back down the court. Uh, yeah. And then, the, and then the timeout where it's like there's like the only reason that timeout was really taken was he just needed to lay into somebody about, <laughs> yeah. about what they had done. So, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it, you're getting a pretty good glimpse into him. I mean, the reality is like what he's trying to, you know, teach to them is, you know, playing with that intensity. Uh, throughout the course of the game and, and that kind of determination and he's certainly embodying that on the sidelines um, I'm afraid he might combust at some point but uh, yeah I think we figured out the the limit for numbers of times that he'll watch guys not get on the floor for loose balls was three because I think that was about the time that he was going to blow a gasket uh, after the one because I think there was a Curtis Jones one that was um, there was a Devante and I, I forget who the third was maybe it was Newkirk I think is what you what you said but yeah there was uh yeah, three is the limit before he uh, loses his mind on that. So now we now we know the answer to that question. Uh, you're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms talking about Indiana's victory over Arkansas State. Andy, let's talk about Devontae Green, uh, who again, you know, probably had the most notable, really poor decision of the game when it was <clears throat> 66 to 60, and you know, Indiana's going the other way. Looks like they might be able to, you know, to build a little bit of momentum because I, and actually I forgot about this. Arkansas State had cut it to 63 to 60. Uh, and, and so it looks like Indiana's maybe going to be able to build a little momentum and he just takes this awful shot and it goes the other way. And again, you know, you Even talk Steve about Barton thought it was a bad shot. So that's how you knew. Yeah, that's how you knew it really was bad. Yeah. And, you know, look, I, I thought there were more instances of Devante not being able to contain his man on the perimeter, you know, kind of getting lost a little bit on defense. Um, you know, but then, you know, you look at it on the flip side 
And he made three threes uh, in the first half that were really important as Indiana looked to build the lead. And, you know, this is yet another game where most of Indiana's heavy lifting from three-point range was done by one guy. It was Devontae tonight. It was Robert Johnson against South Florida. It was Devontae against Seton Hall. Uh, you know, he did have three assists, which was tied for the team lead. He had a couple of steals, you know, so he created opportunities there. Did have the turnovers. You know, and he played 27 minutes, and then you look up, and in terms of plus-minus, which is a, a flawed stat for a single game, I know, uh, but he led the team. So, obviously, his mistakes weren't just, you know, absolutely capsizing the team while he was out there. Uh, and, you know, this may just be a thing where we have to get used to this because clearly, I mean, he's playing 27 minutes. He's starting. Uh, while Archie at times seems frustrated with him in-game, it's not like he's frustrated enough that he's sitting him down. It, it seems like Archie recognizes that we're going to have to live with some of these mistakes from Devontae, but you also get some of the great plays. I mean, he had a post-feed to Duran tonight. Uh, you know, it, it was, I don't know, maybe about a 30-foot post-feed, just this beautiful little pass that he put some spin on, and Duran wasn't quite able to connect on it. But, you know, you see, he just he sees things on the floor that other guys can't see. He can get passes into places other guys can't get. He can get shots off that other guys really can't or maybe aren't willing to take. Uh, and that's an element that this team needs, even though... Again, his mistakes sometimes seem to sabotage possession. So, you know, we're quickly going to become a broken record about Devontae Green if this continues, and we'll have to find new angles to take on it. Um, but uh, I guess that's the main point tonight is it was kind of more of the same from Devontae, and maybe this is just what we need to expect. Yeah, what was what was interesting was it, to start right before the second half, they, the, the Big Ten Network showed kind of a, a montage of the threes that he hit. And... And the common thread in every one of them was he was completely under control. Uh, one of them, he had a nice shot fake. Guy flies by him, takes a step to his right, sets his feet, and makes it. Um, the last one was one where he was kind of unguarded, but he didn't rush it. He just stepped into it confidently and made the shot. And then that was immediately followed by two turnovers in the first 40 seconds of the half where he was just out of control. And then eventually that shot that, that you mentioned. And so, you know, you look at him. First half, 11 points, two assists, no turnovers, two steals in 17 minutes. And the second half, he scores one point in 10 minutes with two turnovers. Those two turnovers I just referenced did have an assist and a rebound. Um, you know, made one or two free throws and, and missed both of his shots. And it was, you know, a, a real tale of two halves for him. And it's, you know, I don't know if there's a way to, you know, sometimes those those guys, when you try to rein them in, you take away from them some of the things that make them great and and to your point that take away some of the things that this team doesn't really have from anybody else um so i can see where archie's kind of walking the tightrope with him where he probably wants to strangle him at times and there's other times that it's like you know in the first half when things were really sluggish it was it was a little bit like that's up you know one of the other games where he was like the seton hall game where you know they're really sluggish and he makes shots and keeps him in the game and and the shots that he made in the first half of this game kind of springboarded them to the big lead. So it's like the it, role Ryan fills on the show. Really? I can see why yeah. he's so, he has such an affection for Devonte. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, you know, it's, it's a hard one to try to try to rein him in enough without taking away the things that make him effective. But I think until they figure out what the right way for him to balance that is, we're just going to see games like this. And to your point, we may need to figure out a new angle for it. Um, other than the fact that, you know, he's just been inconsistent from, uh, you know, from game to game, but, uh, and, and half to half in this case, but, you know, he hey. does things on this team, like you said, that other guys can't do. And I think he and Al playing together are kind of a good, like I said, they're, they kind of balance each other out a little bit. Yeah. Um, and Al is just like at, Mr. You know, Steady Eddie, you know? And so when you've got, you know, 
you can't have too many guys that are you know loose cannons out there but you know maybe if you have one and, and pair him with some other guys I, I don't know but yeah he was he was definitely up and down but the things that made him successful in the first half weren't things he was able to replicate in the second half for whatever reason just got going too fast and, and was out of control and i feel like there's a couple times a game that shot that you mentioned in the second half where he just gets the ball and and the shot's going up one way or another and he's just got to figure out a way to do it and and um you know, there are certain things that we we're starting to become accustomed to. It used to be like the OG, like steal and dunk. Al, you know, floater with his offhand, and uh, and the Devante, you know, just hero ball possession where he's just determined to get a shot up. There's there's different things each season that we have to come to grips with. But uh, yeah, the the Al thing was great. One of his, I assume this was a, a former coach uh, of his. Is you know tweeted back to that that Dad used to yell at him for doing that in games for like switching and shooting with. This is offhand, and I'm like, well, everybody in the IU fan base to this point has been uh, unsatisfied with the results. So I think they're gonna we're willing to ride after the Stan Robinson experiment that we talked about before with the yeah. shooting with both hands. And I'm looking at Twitter. Josh Margolis uh, just tweeted that Al has played 100 minutes since his last turnover, which is absolutely crazy. The guy is a freshman, and you know, just seven points, three assists, uh, grabbed three boards, had a steal, had a block, and no turnovers. And I think you're right. I mean, I think that's a great observation that you made after the South Florida game that, you know, you play those two guys together. Al helps to balance out the craziness of Devontae because Devontae is certainly more explosive uh, and, and can score in spurts, which this team needs at times. So it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. I know that, you know, I've expressed some frustration with Devontae, but it's it's with the caveat that, you know, he does things no one else on this team can do or provides things no one else can provide. Uh, at times, and so this is it's going to be an interesting storyline to watch as we move forward. Um, but you know, did some good things, did some bad things tonight, and that's just kind of uh, par for the course for Devontae right now. Um, all right, let's go to our final segment. I've got a, a turkey to prep because it's Thanksgiving tomorrow, so let's get to uh, let's get to this final segment. Uh, we are going to hand out our game balls, Andy. I'm sure I know where you're going with yours. Uh, we're going to look ahead to Indiana's next opponent, Eastern Michigan, which is going to be an interesting game, and then we will deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's victory over Arkansas State. That is next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's win over Arkansas State by 17 points on Thanksgiving Eve. Uh, let's start with our game balls. Andy, we will go to you first, and I have a feeling it's going to be a repeat of last game. You're muted. Bring it back. Here we go. Okay, Andy, right now, I bet is talking about Juwan Morgan, but he is muted, yep. All so right. we can't hear him. <laughs> I wanted to build suspense because you felt like you knew what I was going to do, and I just wanted it to seem like I was really thinking about it, even though I was talking to myself for like 12 seconds. But uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely, definitely, Juwan. Um, you know, I, I just, we've talked about how much uh, we've wanted to see what he can be when he can stay healthy. And I just hope uh, that he can maintain his health as we go forward because these last two games have arguably been the best of his career. Uh, the last, I guess, 60 minutes, if you, um, you know, really in the second half of the South Florida game, he was he was fine in the first half. The second half was when he really started to take off. And, um, you know, you just hope you can start to see this and, and you, know, you watch some of these guys and you develop an affinity for the things that they can do and really feel like you get to know them, even though you, you really don't. You're just sitting on your couch and and rooting them on. But um, it, it's just cool to see him be healthy and, and flourish 
uh, over the course of a couple games and really display the kinds knock of things wood, that we've, Knock on wood, knock on wood, knock on wood. And display the kinds of things that we've seen from him and you just wanted to see more of uh, as he grows in his career. So I just hope he can build on that because he was just fantastic over these last 60 minutes of basketball and, um, and really doing so many little things, leading by example. Uh, and again, that whole responsibility for production, like, and, and so uh, very cool to see him do that and hopefully more of the same on Friday. We need to get a t-shirt with responsibility for production. Hashtag responsibility for production. <laughs> <clears throat> um, yeah, look, we're, we're, we're going to copy last game. You went with Juwan. I went with Robert Johnson after the South Florida game, and I'm going there again. Uh, and I think it's very important, you know, again, you know, you see some people frustrated with Robert Johnson's night tonight. I think you got to be careful. You can't judge a guy's performance based on shooting. I saw a comment from Archie Miller, you know, said Rob played really well tonight. He had some good looks. They just didn't go in. And we've talked about it. He doesn't look confident. The shot looks weird. We get all that. But Rob found a way to be productive. And you want senior leadership? That is senior leadership right there. You know, I, talk, I talked about the charge he took, the defense that he played on Sims in the second half, uh, you know, his willingness to go to the basket late in the game, get himself a couple of buckets, uh, get eight rebounds. You know, this is a game Indiana was going to need to rebound because Arkansas State coming in was a decent rebounding team. And Archie wants his guards to rebound. Robert grabs eight of them, only turns it over once. Uh, you know, and again, takes a tough defensive assignment, only picks up two fouls. So Robert did a lot of good things tonight. And, and so I think this is a good lesson. And when this reminds me a couple of games ago, the Seton Hall game, I remember I tweeted out, Juwan Morgan has been outstanding. And the numbers weren't showing up in the box score, you know, and, and someone tweets back to me and they said, you know, what's, you know, outstanding at what? And I was like, playing basketball, you know, like when you're out there playing, and you're playing good defense and you're doing good things for your team, it's not always going to vault you to the stop to, to the top of the scoring total in, in the box score. And it's not always going to hop out in the numbers. And Juwan Morgan is a guy who you often can't see the full value of his contributions from the box score because, you know, he's a guy who makes the pass that leads to the pass that leads to the bucket or he plays a good help side defense, you know, and, and does some of those little things. Tonight, it clearly did for Juwan, and tonight, I think, was a game that for Robert, the box score doesn't tell the full story for how he impacted the game. And so he gets my game ball uh, because, uh, you know, I think when the going got tough in the second half and the game could have gone one or two ways and it either could have been a dogfight to the finish or Indiana, you know, could have kind of put their foot on the throat of Arkansas State, extended out, and then win going away. Robert Johnson helped it go that way. And that's what you want your leadership to do. And frankly, I hope we come on here a lot, Andy, and the game balls are, are just oscillating between Juwan Morgan and Robert Johnson. Because if that's the case, I think this is going to be a pretty good season because that's going to mean that they're getting steady production from those two guys, those two leaders who have played more meaningful minutes than anybody else. And obviously when Colin Hartman comes back, you know he obviously enters into that discussion too. But those guys need to lead these young guys and i really think that of all the things that have been important over these last two games seeing that from robert johnson and juan morgan to me has been the most impressive so happy that they are game ball recipients once again uh all right andy let's go over to you let's talk about eastern michigan and this is a game that i think a lot of people have kind of had circled since the start of the year that outside of you know, obviously the Seton Hall, Duke, Louisville, and Notre Dame matchups, this game always kind of lingered as maybe the fifth toughest game in the non-conference schedule. Now, obviously, getting your doors blown off by Indiana State at the beginning of the year, uh, you know, that game was obviously pretty tough and tougher than we thought. But this Eastern Michigan team is no slouch. As you mentioned, they play a little bit of a different style, um, and they're going to come in, obviously, hungry like everybody else is to get a win at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. What kind of challenge are they going to present the day after Thanksgiving? 
Yeah, they well, I mean, as I mentioned, you know, they're coached by Rob Murphy, who's a a, a Bayheim descendant, I believe. And so they run a lot of two three zone. Um, they are so far, again, we can talk about what three point defense means. They are third nationally, as I look at the uh, Ken Palm stats right now, they're allowing opponents to shoot only nineteen point six percent from three point range. Now, bear in mind they've played two non D one teams plus the Arkansas State and Howard teams that that IU has played, all of which came at home. So you know, that suggests that, that three-point shooting can get worse than what we've seen from Indiana so far, which is kind of frightening. It is difficult to imagine, but yes, I suppose that it could. Um, you know, when you look at you know what they do well as a team, uh, they rank ninth in the country in free throw rate. Uh, that is uh, part of that. A, a good chunk of that comes from uh, James Thompson. He's a big guy. They're a big guy. He actually has shot more free throws than field goals at this point, so his free throw rate is 109. Wow. Um, which seems good. Uh, he's averaging 16 points and 13 rebounds a game, so uh, it will be a good test, uh, presumably for Duran and and the rest of the guys to uh, you know kind of limit him inside. They've got four guys scoring in double figures, uh, and another guy that's averaging 8.3 points per game. So those are you know some balance there as you look through those guys. Three of them uh, scoring over 15 a game. So not necessarily one guy to key on. Uh, Paul Jackson, point guard that they have, is uh, averaging five and a half assists a game. So he'll be one that you really want to try to figure out how to slow him down, uh, keep him from getting others involved. Ranks 25th in assist rate uh, in the country, and and they've got some good rebounders. They've got you know, Thompson, as I mentioned, you know, ranks really highly in both offensive and defensive rebounding. Uh, Ty Gross, I don't know, he may or may not be a uh, relation to John Gross, the former Illinois coach, um, but he's there. Uh, had some pretty good rebounding numbers as well, and and one of the guys who's uh, you know I think he's the the eight point three point per game guy, uh, and they've, they've got a number of different guys. You can't necessarily uh, focus in on one guy. A lot of juniors and seniors as you look down the roster. So uh, experienced guys who have uh, while they haven't played in Assembly Hall, have played in other tough venues in the past as part of their non conference schedule, and uh, and certainly will be interesting. You know, to see how they do, but they are currently ranked 145th in Ken Palm as I'm looking at it right now. So that might fluctuate a little bit um, between now and the time that the game is there. But, um, you know, certainly, certainly will present a tough challenge for IU on a, a relatively short turnaround. Kind of the weird, uh, you know, holiday, uh, holiday in the middle of, of two games as well. So it'll be a, an interesting game for IU and hopefully they can come out and play well, but it will be a, uh, be a challenge for sure. I think probably in a little bit different way than, uh, than these last couple games have been. And they beat Arkansas State by 17, which is exactly the same amount that Indiana beat Arkansas State by. So, and they beat Howard by 10, which I think IU beat them by nine. So, pretty, uh, pretty even. Again, all their games have come at home, but but uh, if you, if you want to use the common opponent piece of it, then it appears to be a pretty even match. Yeah, I mean, is this a game? Would you be shocked at all if this game goes down to the wire? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, if if the game goes how Eastern Michigan wants it to, and they force IU to shoot threes, and IU shoots threes the way that they have. Uh, so far over the course of the season, then uh, then I could easily see that. So IU's got a, you know, maybe Justin Smith, the uh, the the zone buster in the non traditional sense. Usually that term is uh, reserved for guys who, you know, can shoot teams out of a zone. He he may be the zone buster in the sense of being the guy in the middle who's who's making smart passes and smart decisions there. So uh, I think it'll be an interesting game for him uh, to see how much he plays and if he can you know play well in that role that he's that he's done well when IU's seen zone so far to the season. 
All right, we're going to go to last call here in just a second. Remember that because you are an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off your entire order at HoosierProud.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit HoosierProud.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y at checkout. That's HoosierProud.com, promo code ASSEMBLY for 15% off your entire order. And by the way, Andy, I got some really interesting news from Connor. Uh, who runs Hoosier Proud today about a potential interview that we're going to be able to do in the near future. It's not scheduled yet. It's not final, so I don't want to say anything. But just know this will be something that you'll be very excited about, uh, as will everybody who's listening. So just can put that teaser out there. Now, hopefully I didn't jinx anything. Um, <laughs> that should be coming uh, here down the line. And also, uh, just a quick apology to everybody who's watching on YouTube. I have no idea why the video didn't come through. Uh, I'm thinking maybe it has something to do with Andy's bandwidth not being very good. And so... YouTube just saying, screw it with the video. Let's just focus on the audio. Um, that's the only thing I can think of because the video is working here as we as we look at it. So I really don't know why the video is not working, but the audio is working and that's probably better for everybody anyway because no one needs to look at our faces while we're talking about basketball. Really? Do you? I mean, no. Um, all right. Let's go to last call. Andy, pre-Thanksgiving last call. Uh, feel free to roll along with what you're thankful for or just make another observation about the Hoosiers. <laughs> So uh, now, I mean, look, look, this was another game where this team continues to show, continues to frustrate everybody. And, and that is the same with certain players and the team as a whole. And so, you yeah, know, we keep kind of wanting and talking about, all right, how do we extend 20 minutes into 24, into 28, into, into whatever? I'm not sure what the total amount of time that the team actually aggregated. It may have been more. Um, but there were, you know, these long stretches at the beginning of each half where they just didn't play very well. And um, and that continues to be frustrating. And um, it's easy to sit back and look at the final margin and think about the stretches where they played really well uh, and gloss over those. And so, again, it was another game where um, the final result was pretty good. And if you walked into the game and said they're going to win the game by 17 and, and rattle off some of the stats, you'd probably feel pretty good about it. And, and so there's parts of it, you know, and I think it's a good thing where, they leave you wanting more because you see it in stretches. You saw, you know, nine guys scored at least four points tonight. This isn't a team that is, while there's no superstar, it isn't a team that's devoid of talent and devoid of guys who can put the ball in the basket. Um, and they showed that tonight. They had a lot of guys make positive contributions. I think, you know, anybody up and down the, the list, while we might have our gripes with them, there's there's a play or two that you can point out where everybody did something really well. Um, you know, every guy had at least four points and they had at least two rebounds or at least two assists. I mean, that's, that's good. Um, so you start to see it. And the frustrating part is that you don't see it as much as you want. And I think this game on Friday is going to be one where if there's a time to start putting that together, uh, this Friday would be a good place to start because I think it's not going to be an easy game. You've got a veteran team who's not going to be as easily rattled, uh, in a game where you don't really know what kind of assembly hall you're going to get, uh, in some ways, just with the weird, you know, students aren't there holiday you don't really know who's in town things like that so you know they may not get the full uh assembly hall experience i guess but hopefully they do and and so you know we talked about these three games of here's three games to get some confidence to work some things out uh, and so far we're two games into it they've got two wins both by 17 points and you would like to think that they can you know build on that get a third win rolling into that duke game which is going to be uh they are absolutely going to get the full assembly hall experience in that one but um i, I liked what you said about you know, Juwan and Robert, uh, if we come on here a lot and are able to really praise those guys as we have these last couple games, um, wins and 
and is going to lead to a good season. So hopefully those guys can can keep up what they're doing well uh, and go from there. As for the Thanksgiving part, I uh, certainly wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, as corny as it probably sounds, is thankful to all the uh, all the listeners and folks who engage with us throughout the season. And it's going to be uh, an interesting one, and and maybe not quite the same level of a roller coaster as we've uh, in the ground over the last couple of years. But uh, there's still a little bit of still a little bit of roller coaster left in what we've seen so far. And uh, appreciate everybody being along for the ride and, uh, and and the kind words and feedback that we get on a uh, on a on a weekly basis. And uh, we we enjoy doing it for you guys. And hope everybody enjoys a good Thanksgiving with friends and family, and and be back on on Friday with another show. Yeah, speaking of along for the ride, where's Ryan been? What the heck? I'm just yeah. kidding. Yeah, he, uh, he feels bad that he hasn't been here. He thought he was going to be able to be on the shows while he's been in Maui. He's been covering the Maui Invitational for the BigLead.com. His Wi-Fi situation has been crazy, but he did want me to let you guys know that he will be back, and he has lots of takes, lots of thoughts uh, when he does get back. I just want to say a that... good video of him out there, like just you know a guy crashing into the uh, into press row. There's a good video of him kind of. Olaying, making no effort to, is there really? to stop the. <laughs> it was kind of like a if if you're just gonna let him drive by you moment that somebody <laughs> joked about like him his complete lack of effort in saving the guy next to him. So uh, if, I, I think he retweeted it to his timeline. So if anybody hasn't seen uh, that yet, seen that yet. <laughs> not a strong, not a strong defensive effort. If 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 it were uh, a defensive, uh, if it were a defensive critique, he stepped over and cut off the dribbler. I believe is is probably the best analogy I could put it from a basketball perspective. Yeah, well, I haven't seen that yet, but I'm thankful for that. Um, I also want to say that I'm <laughs> thankful for Cliff Marshall because normally I would be very worried about you know this whole playing the day after Thanksgiving and we're the home team, which means you're probably going to get to have a nice Thanksgiving meal, which the players absolutely should. You know, they're away from their families. That's you know that's definitely something to remember here. Is you know I'm going to get off this and go make a turkey with you know and have the family over tomorrow. Uh, you know, these guys are staying on campus and they're probably going to get a workout in tomorrow and then, you know, do have to do Thanksgiving away from their families. So, you know, obviously many, many perks to being a college basketball player, but that's certainly one sacrifice that these guys make is, you know, sometimes they don't get to, to do a lot of the things over the holidays that, that they might want to do. Uh, but, you know, look, Thanksgiving is not exactly the kind of meal that you would want to eat, you know, the day before you're going to have to go do something physically uh, we're going to have to exert yourself physically so i'm thankful that we will have cliff marshall there i'm assuming that he's going to have like pre-portioned turkey and cranberry sauce and stuffing and potatoes for everybody based on their weight and and you know their muscle makeup and what they need to be playing at peak condition on friday uh because we know that cliff is very into diet and eating uh so i feel good about that uh that he'll be on the case um and, and really look you know, I think we all just wanted to see uh, from these games uh, between Seton Hall and Duke some progress. And, and I think there can be no bigger progress than Juwan Morgan and Robert Johnson gaining confidence, really getting into the flow and leading this team like they should. And we've seen that the last two games. And so to me, there's nothing more important than we could have seen. And I think we've seen some of the other important improvements Indiana has made, like getting to the free throw line more and blocking more shots. And, you know, some of these other things that are kind of staples of Archie Miller teams, we're seeing that profile start to develop for Indiana. Now it's playing defense more consistently. So that point per possession number goes down on the defensive end and it's learning what is a good shot and what is not a good shot. So maybe, you know, we take a guy like Curtis Jones takes fewer threes and slashes to the basket more and, and gives himself an opportunity to get fouled, create for someone else or get an easier look. 
And so we're seeing flashes of it, and that's what's encouraging. Hopefully the guys can start putting it together a little bit more consistently, especially at the beginning of games. But considering where this team was after the first game of the season, uh, I feel pretty good about where we are now four games later because that game showed us just how far this team had to go. And I feel like we're a little further along now than I thought we would be after that game. So, you know, it's probably still a little bit further behind where I thought we'd be before the season started. But that first game kind of showed us that we needed to, to adjust our expectations a little bit. So I think uh, the team is showing progress. That's the most important thing. And I think this next game is a huge barometer of where Indiana is heading into that matchup against Duke. Because I think if Indiana can come out, play well, get a solid victory against Eastern Michigan where you walk away and you say, hey, this team played really well for 30, 35 minutes. You know, they're really starting to get it then bring on Duke and let's go and let's let the magic of Simon Scott assembly hall work and, 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 and let's give them a good run for it. But obviously the 40 minutes against Eastern Michigan are the most important ones. We will watch with great interest and hopefully the team comes ready to play uh, and ready to build some momentum heading into that really tough stretch. And we will be here to talk about all of it with you after that game on Friday. It is a, an afternoon start. I think it starts at four Eastern three central. Don't quote me on that though. I Make sure you check 30 Eastern. I've 4.30 Eastern? Okay. Yeah, double check it. Either way, we will be here after the game uh, to break it all down for you on the post-game show. Uh, do remember that our live broadcasts immediately following every game are available. You can either go to our homepage, assemblycall.com, or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. Hopefully the video <laughs> will be working for that game. Uh, and then catch up on demand anytime with the podcast. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And definitely make sure that you go to assemblycall.com slash join and get on our email newsletter because we send out a free post-game analysis email the morning after every game, including tomorrow morning, Thanksgiving morning. Uh, you'll, you'll be getting one. Uh, and then also the Six Banner Sunday news roundups. Uh, you get those as well. It's all free. You just have to get on the email list. All right. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you again on Friday after IU Eastern Michigan. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com support that lists five ways that you can support The Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show... We appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. IBM Cloud offers millions of different server configurations with 20 terabytes of bandwidth cost-free. Get the compute power you need and deploy on demand, but at prices set for smart cost management. Visit ibm.biz slash bare metal servers to customize your server today. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. 
Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.